One verse of Scripture, Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 3. A man shall not be established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous shall not be moved. This is what it says in the message. I wrote it down. It says, you can't find firm footing in a swamp, but life rooted in God stands firm. When roots spring up, you may be seated. This is what it says in Hebrews 12 and verse 15. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Uh, I was talking with my wife about this, and, and uh, when I think about roots, I automatically think about things that are growing down, not up. But notice how it's worded. When a root of bitterness springs up. So uh, the truth is that roots won't stay underground forever. Uh, One of my favorite verses is in Isaiah 37 and 31. It says, take root downward, then you can bear fruit upward. So the lesson is pretty powerful. The fruit on top is always the result of the root underneath. And the word tells us, uh, there are probably options to this, but... There are at least two kinds of roots that I'd like to talk to you about today. The first one is a, a root called bitterness. Um, but let me share with you what I think is an amazing lesson on bitterness from the Old Testament. Uh, number 16 tells the tale of, of um, a rebel, a rebel by the name of Korah. Korah was a Kohathite. A son of Kohath. If you know your Bible, the staff from the Old Testament church, the Tabernacle of Moses and Temple of Solomon, the staff came from a tribe called Levite, uh, or Levi, I guess. There were exceptions to this. This is when you get into that crazy, mixed up, confused thing called a Nazarite vow. Uh, If you weren't from the tribe of Levi and you wanted to work in the temple, you could. Uh, But there were uh, convictions and consecration that you would have to be willing to make. I talked to someone one time. They had long, long hair. I said, "Um, you know, you need to get a haircut. And uh, he said, I'm a Nazarite. I said, no, no, you aren't. Uh, Do you work full time at the church? He said, no. I said, well, then you're not a Nazarene. Uh, he didn't like that. So, uh, whatever. But uh, it's a great way to use the Bible to prove that I want to look like a woman. And uh, the Old Testament staff came from the tribe of Levi. Levi had three boys, Gershon, Merari, and Kohath. And if you study Leviticus... And, and Exodus, very clearly, it, it divides the duties of the tabernacle service between the extended families of these three boys. Listen to this verse. It's in 2 Chronicles 34 and verse 13. It's talking about the duty of the sons of Kohath. And they were over the bearers of burdens and were overseers of all that wrought the work in any manner of service. 
this, the Kohathites carried stuff. Now, my sweetheart is here. I told a couple men in the first service earlier today, if you ever even remotely hear me talking about moving again, you shoot me. <laughs> and you tell God I died, okay? Um, I don't ever want to move again. I'm tired of boxes, and my wife has done much, much more work than I have. But uh, she had to get that in there, but uh, she really has. <laughs> I just can't believe how much stuff you accumulate after a while. I needed some coethites, and boy, have I had some from this church. We've had people lug a lot of stuff. And, uh, and we still got a little to go. And, uh, but uh, if you were a Kohathite, you were in the front of the parade. You know, 42 times they changed camps in the 40 years between Egypt and Canaan, about 11 months. Cloud would move. When the cloud moved, the priest would say, God is rising. When they said that, immediately men from the tribe or the family of Kohath would go into the holy place, take that veil off of those, I don't know, kind of look like rings on your curtain rod. They'd unsnap those rings and they'd walk backwards and they'd cover the Ark of the Covenant with that veil. They would find these rings that were at the corner of the ark and they would stick these two sticks through it and away they would go. You know, there's a book in the Bible called Numbers and Numbers is just exactly that. It numbers Israel. And if you read the first chapter of the book of Numbers, it tells you how many men, when they went into Canaan, how many men there were over the age of 20 you, you, 20 to 50, after 50, you had to retire. You couldn't be in the military, couldn't be a priest. But there was 30 years there when you could serve. If you, if you read that first chapter of Numbers, it's very clear. At the end of the chapter, it said there were 603,550 men between the ages of 20 and 50. We have no idea how many men there were older than 50. We have no idea how many men there were younger than 20. We have no idea how many women there were. And we, the tribe of Levi is not mentioned here at all. They weren't in the military. So it's, it's, it's reasonable to talk about 2 million people. So it's the greatest jailbreak in the history of the world. And when that cloud moved in this, I mean, we're not talking single file here. When these people moved, pal, you, who knows how wide that parade was. But at the front of that parade was that box. And Kohathites carrying that. Korah was a son of Kohath. So he had been one of these people who carried the ark. I'll call Moses the senior pastor, okay? In time, Korah grew jealous over his pastor, he wanted to be the senior pastor. And he convinced 250 princes, not 
Joe Sixpack on the sidewalk here. We're princes, leaders. So he's obviously gifted. He's an orator, got influence. And they stood with him against Moses. Moses is called the meekest man in, in, in the earth. But understand, when you say the word meekness, it doesn't mean you're a pushover. Meekness means quiet strength. I, I've had to deal with some people through the years and tried to explain to them, please listen to me. I hate confrontation. I was raised in a church of confusion. It's why I, 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 I have no tolerance for confusion. I don't want anything to do with it. I have seen where it goes. And, um, but I've looked at him with a smile on my face and said, please do not misinterpret my kindness for weakness. Um, Moses was meek, but he wasn't, he wasn't a pushover. In Numbers 16 and 9, he looks at and reasons with Korah, and he says, does it seem a small thing to you that you're, you're separated from the congregation of Israel? In other words, you're out in front of everything. Does that, does that seem like a small thing to you? And, and, and he said, look, this is number 16 and 29. He said, if Korah and his men just live a normal life and die like everybody else, then all of you will know God didn't call me. But in the next verse it says, but if God does a new thing, and boy did he ever do a new thing. He opened up the earth, swallowed Korah and his 250 pals. The Bible in another place says he rained fire and brimstone, which is sulfur on them closed up the earth and literally barbecued these fellows under the ground it's ironic because the rest of the tribes got mad at Moses look what you did <laughs> Jesus did something very similar to this he said if you reject me you're not rejecting me you're rejecting him that sent me that's a direct quote from Moses. What Moses said, if, if you don't like me, take it up with the one that sent me. I mean, look at Moses, you know. He says, you know, he's at the burning bush. Here am I, send Aaron. I didn't ask for this job. You know, I've heard all these preachers talk about Moses stuttering. Good luck finding that in the Bible, okay? When you read Stephen's sermon in Acts 7 before he was stoned, this is what Stephen said about Moses. He was a man mighty in word and in deed. So he wasn't this bumbling stutterer that people have painted. Makes a nice sermon, but it's not Bible. And he says, if you've got a problem with me, Cora, take it up with God. I didn't want this job. There's still a lot. <laughs> I never wanted to be a pastor. I wanted to do something and make money. Uh, <laughs> And I've had a blessed life, and I'm grateful, but there's still lots of days I don't want to be a pastor. <laughs> I've probably talked more people out of being preachers than into being preachers. It's like, if you're called to do this, you can't do anything else. But if you're not called, man, you're stupid to want to do this. <laughs> you really are. And, uh, uh, you know, so uh, this, this is, stuns me. And, and it says in 
16 and 33, and all that pertained to them went in alive into the pit. Everything. So let me let me take you, just put your 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 you know, slow your mind to a thinker's pace for a moment here, and let me take you through the word on the subject of rebellion. We're starting in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 8. And I'll change a word for an obvious reason here. It says, if you are without chastisement, it says you are an illegitimate and, and not, a real, or not a real son or daughter, not a real child. So the writer of Hebrews is saying there are legitimate children of God and there are illegitimate children of God. So my question was always, how, how do you tell the two apart? How do you know what's kosher and what isn't? And, and um, you, 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 in order for me to, to, to teach you this lesson, I'm going to give you a biology lesson on how to have babies. Okay? In order to have a baby, you have to have a father and you have to have a mother. The father provides the seed... The mother provides the womb that the seed is deposited in, and that's where life begins. Okay? Now, we're going to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 compares two mountains. It compares Mount Sinai and Mount Zion. And uh, I don't know, probably 20 and 21 of Hebrews 12, it'll say something like this. You are not come under the mount that burns with fire, nor blackness, nor darkness, nor tempest, strong wind. But in 22 it says, but you are come unto Mount Zion. And it says that that's the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, an innumerable company of angels. Watch this. The general assembly and church of the firstborn, spirit of just men made perfect, Blood of sprinkling, then speaketh better things than that of Abel. Abel's voice had a blood, or Abel's blood had a voice, rather. Abel, remember, he said, my brother's blood is crying out of the ground. That's what Cain said. The blood of Abel was saying, avenge me, avenge me, avenge me. The blood of Jesus has a voice as well. It says something better than it's saying, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. Bible says, they without us are not made perfect. But now that the church is here, the church is the vindication of the life of faith on the other side of the cross. You understand that? Look what these people did in the Old Testament with no Holy Ghost. Just faith. Faith. Bible said angels diligently inquire into the salvation Angels don't understand forgiveness. They've never been forgiven. None of them have. That's why Lucifer goes out of his mind. I mean, we're trying to fast and pray. I can see Lucifer saying, Jesus, Harold messed up 42 times last week, and he's praying and fasting. I messed up one time. You booted me out and won't give me another chance. What's, what's, on, what's, what, what's with that? He said, I didn't die for you. I didn't die for angels. I died for men and women. And it's got to be very frustrating to be a demon right now because you know you backed the wrong horse. 
You know, they said it. Have you come to torment us before our time? They know they're in trouble. That's why I think demons understand unity much better than the church because they know their only hope is to stay together. See, they never did get a new pastor in hell. They never had insurrection and say, we're getting rid of you. Knock Satan all you want, but he's really good at what he does. But he, he, he stays simple. He's got three pitches, lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, pride of life. That's what he does, but he's really, really, really good at it. And, and it says in verse 23, we are the general assembly and church of the firstborn. If, if, do you believe we have access to the blood of Jesus today? I do. I believe the blood's in the name. Okay, so I believe we have access to the blood. I believe the church has validated the life of the people that look toward the cross. And if you're the church, you have access to an innumerable company of angels. Now, this is conjecture on my part, but I try to make some of this stuff palatable. In, 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 in Revelation 12, it says that when the dragon fell, his tail drew a third part of the stars. It's very obvious who the dragon is in Revelation 12. In Revelation 1 and 20, it says this, the stars are the angels. So when Lucifer fell, he took a third of heaven with him. Now, John said that the number of the angels was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. So that, this is what I did. I took 10,000 times 10,000 times 2,000, which is thousands, plural, times 2,000 again. 10,000 times 10,000 times 2,000 times 2,000. And it's 400 trillion. So if that's the number of angels left after Satan fell and he took a third, then he's got 200 trillion fallen angels with him. Here's the cool thing. You look at that and you say, well, that's a lot of zeros. But, but listen, listen to this verse. One puts 1,000 to flight. Two puts 10,000 to flight. If that dynamic holds true, then three puts 100,000 to flight. Four puts a million. Five does 10 million. Six does 100 million. Seven does a billion. Eight does 10 billion. Nine does 100 billion. 10 does a trillion. 11 does 10 trillion. 12 does 100 trillion. Can we get it 11? I mean, Jesus chose 12 and one of them was a devil. If Jesus couldn't pick 12 good ones, I probably can't either. Listen to me, folks. God, not even God could create a perfect heaven. Okay? And if you think we're going to have a perfect church, you're out of your mind. <laughs> it's, not, it's not scripturally, mathematically possible. There's a certain percent, about 8% I'm going to be heathens. Okay? And uh, first, first church you got, it's 5.7%. Uh, we're, we're below the average. And, uh, but we got heathens. <laughs> I'm West Virginia. Heathens. Heathens. That's what they are. And uh, 
Can we get 11 together? Because apparently there's enough dynamic in 11 unified people that you have authority over all them devils. See, Satan can't create devils. He doesn't have creative power, which is cool because the, the angel that, that gave those lions tetanus or lockjaw in Daniel's den, that angel's still alive. The angel that, 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 that led Peter out of the inner prison is still alive. The, the, the angel that turned the, quartet, the trio into a quartet with the, Hebrew, with the fire, that angel's still alive. Paul said, there stood by me this night the angel of the Lord. Didn't stop the shipwreck, but kept us through the whole day. So it, it, don't be surprised if you're in a, a problem right now that the very same angel that, that, that was spent all my, 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 my daughters here and young people, New Year's night, they, my, Ashley told me, I'm pouring an all-nighter, Dad. Pouring an all-nighter. She had this bag. She had everything in there, man. I mean, she had sleeping bags. She had pillows. She had all kinds of stuff. About four in the morning, she said, I want to come home. I said, we'll be there at nine. <laughs> The angel didn't say, uh, I want to go home. The angel pulled the all-nighter, stuck it out with Daniel. Don't be surprised if the very same angel that was with Daniel doesn't show up on your behalf. The Bible said they camp around those that fear him. They are ministering spirits. Two heirs. They're not doing it. They minister to you. To the heirs of salvation. That's, that, that's a great subject. So, I'm convinced that, it's, that, that the church, it's synonymous. That if you're in the church, you have access to the blood. You have access to God, the judge of all. You have, you, you, the, the spirits have just been made perfect. That you... You are the general assembly and church of the firstborn. And if you are, you're Zion and you are the heavenly Jerusalem. Now here's when it gets cool. This is what it says in Galatians 4 and verse 26. It says, Jerusalem, which is above. What's that? Heaven. The heavenly Jerusalem. Jerusalem, which is above, is free which is the mother of us all. Which is cool because now, see, we got to talk about mom and dad. We have identified who the mother is. The church. There should be no doubt among us who the father is. Okay? So, what happens? Peter said this, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. Which means... When someone teaches you the word of God, it goes into the spirit, into the womb of the mother. That's where life takes place. If you believe what the Bible says, life doesn't begin when the baby comes out of the womb. Life begins in the womb. I taught you last week, John the Baptist leaped in his mother's womb. When Mary told her. So the first person to really praise Jesus was an unborn baby. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Something magical and mystical is going on. I knew you. I formed you. In your mind. I knew your name. I knew your surname. That's Bible. <laughs> it's incredible. And so, do, do, do you understand the power of that? Here, here, here's, here's my wife. I, I was there when the girls were born. My wife wasn't playing Sudoku when the babies were born. My wife was going, ah! I mean, she had that transition labor the first time for over 24 hours. I'm falling asleep between contractions. She slapped me once. You had something to do with this. Stay awake. <laughs> Somebody visits our church for the first time. Here's this wonderful music. Meet you wonderful people. Here's this incredible preacher. I'm a great preacher. Let that go online. The reason I'm a great preacher is because I preach the truth. Anybody that preaches the truth is a great preacher. Amen. Boy, I did it twice today, haven't I already? I've already bragged on myself. Plus, I said I got a girlfriend named you get. Boy, wait till that hits Facebook. Gee whiz. It'll be saucy. It'll be saucy. Someone visits our church. Gets up and leaves, and we go, they weren't hungry. You missed it. It's not the duty. Listen to what it says in the book of Isaiah 61. No, that's not 66 and 8. Watch this. When Zion, who's Zion? Church. When the church travails, children are born. We're not talking about some hill here. Mountains don't have kids. There's something else going on here. We are Zion. Which means... That's why we're coming together so tomorrow night. <laughs> for how many years have I said, I, I want to get 100 people in prayer? I want to get 100 people in prayer, 100 people in prayer. A couple of months ago, it just went bloop. And all of a sudden, we've never gone back to under 100. Last Monday, there was over 140. And we were saying, the new goal is 150. Now, nah, the new one's 200. We'll just bump it up. Then let's go for 500, okay? And have 1,000. All right, that, that's, that, that'll happen. It just will. And so, <laughs> the travail is not the duty of the guest. The travail is the duty of the church. That when, that when Zion goes, ah! And when a visitor comes, they don't have to go, ah! Oh, they just speak in tongues. Because the labor was done before they showed up. I think sometimes you could paint a church pink and blue. It's a nursery around here where something is born. It's important. So, break the box. I mean, that, I don't have time to get sidetracked with that, but that box resent, represented her past. It, it, it was quite possibly the same expensive fragrance that she used during her most aggressive conquest. She broke that thing filled that room. That's what happens when prayer fills, permeates the atmosphere. People come in and just get born again. Amen. It's not hard. I was raised in a church of chronic seekers. I, I saw people pray for the Holy Ghost for years. Years. And I always knew something was wrong. Wrong. 
And then I found that verse, why tarriest thou now? Jesus said, tarry until the Spirit's poured out. But after the Spirit's poured out, don't tarry. We, we're going to come and tarry. And I, my father-in-law had a friend that, in Bible school, went to Bible school, didn't have the Holy Ghost. Every Sunday night, he would come up to the altar, take off his shoes, take off his tie, take off his jacket, get ready to pray. Hey, my father-in-law wasn't a patient man, but he, he told me about his friend Bill. One time they prayed all, all night long for Bill to get the Holy Ghost. Seven in the morning, he said, I knew I wasn't going to get it when I started praying last night. <laughs> Chronic seekers. But this is what the Bible says. Why tarriest thou now? Arise, wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Listen to this verse. When I read this verse with, with Revelation, it, my, it's like the elephant in the room. This is 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 4. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit, which we've not, or another gospel. See, see, there's counterfeit Christians. There's a counterfeit Holy Ghost. Oh, sure there is. Every, everything God's ever done, Satan has had a cheap imitation of it, always. According to Corinthians... There's another gospel, another Jesus, there's another Holy Ghost. How do you get an illegitimate child? Someone in the covenant has to be unfaithful. It can't be the father. Because he said, I don't ever change. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Not even the shadow of turning. So there's only one option. That be us. The church, the mother, gets involved with what Paul called another gospel, another spirit, another Jesus. And they have kids, bunches of them. <laughs> Here's what's fascinating to me. They have the same mother as you do. They just have a different dad. So how do you know who the real child of God is and who the spurious child of God is? It's easy. It's in Hebrews 12 and verse 8. Can you be corrected? Can you be chastened? Do you have a teachable spirit? Or are you one of these people who say, I'm taking my toys and going home. Adios. Jesus did that. I'm, I'm not I'm trying to be mean, but I'm not going to pastor an adult daycare. I'm not doing that. I, I'm just not doing that. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. You find these people in the ditch. You pour oil in their wounds. You bind them up. You put them on your mule, which is a great verse for put them in your car and bring them to church. I mean, li literally, the Samaritan says, okay, let's see, I got, mm, I got 62 bucks. Here you go. He said, now, now use this to take care of him. He said, if you spend more than I've given you, when I come back, I love that verse. When I come back, I'll settle up with you. Jesus will be a debtor to no man. Trust me, God keeps good books. You invest something for him, he's going to settle up with you. I promise you that right now. I promise you that. 
We don't know if the guy that the Samaritan took out of the ditch lived or died. That's not the purpose of the story. The purpose of the story is we're going to do everything we can for you around here. We really will. But sooner or later, you're going to have to decide do you want to live or not. Okay? We'll spend cabillions of dollars on all kinds of programs and all kinds of stuff, and that's all fine and good. But sooner or later, you're going to have to make up your mind. Are you going to serve God or not? Because Jesus taught five things to Nicodemus. Number one, you've got to be born again. Everybody preaches that. Then he said you've got to be born of water and spirit. Everybody doesn't preach that. Then he said if you're not born of water and spirit, you're not even going to see the kingdom. He said, if you're not born in water spirit, you can't enter in the kingdom. And the fifth was, listen for the wind, which is why I think Nicodemus was there on the day of Pentecost and suddenly the wind, and he said, ah, that's what he was talking about. But, 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 but I thought, I thought, and I was taught, if you're baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, you're automatically in the kingdom. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, you're not even going to see it until you get water buried and spirit filled. And then you're going to have to decide, am I going to enter into the kingdom way of life? Where are all these people we've baptized and seen filled with the Spirit in the last 40 years? You couldn't build a building big enough to hold them all. Because in every conversion, there is a crisis. Because this is a change of lifestyle. And you're going to have to, you're going to be confronted with, oh man, this looks like commitment. And you're going to have to figure out, am I going to do the, live the kingdom way of life or not? So it, I, I don't know how much money the dude spent on band-aids and, and sutures and, uh, and who knows what. But sooner or later, the dude either, either spent money uh, on getting him a new suit or buying him a casket. And we've had our share of both. But the bottom line is simple. Do you have a teachable spirit? Can you submit yourself to a pastor? Well, he said, all right, I ain't doing that. Okay. Look, I didn't want this job. Okay. (laughs) The last thing I'm like, I wish I could stick a gun in people's ribs and say, you're going to heaven whether you like it or not. It'd be a whole lot easier. But we're we're pastoring an all-volunteer army here, which is what's going to vindicate Jesus in the end. Do you understand that? Jesus is going to look at Satan and say, listen, stupid, I let you dangle every sordid, filthy, nasty thing in front of those people that your little dirty mind could dredge up, and they still chose me. I let you invent pornography. I let you have drugs. I let you have nicotine. I let you have alcohol. They still wanted me. <laughs> Ah. (laughs) I thought when I read number 16, I thought it meant Korah and and his pals and all their families died. But then I found this verse. It's in Numbers 26 and 11. It said, notwithstanding the children of Korah, they didn't die. If there's anybody in the Bible that should have had a bitter attitude, it should have been Cora's kids. They watched God barbecue their daddy right in front of them. You tell me you couldn't hear them muffled screams coming out of that dirt? Those kids lived through that. But something amazing happened. Fast forward 400 years. David's on the throne. First thing he does is he says, 
uh, where's the box? Because if you study the book of Samuel, the sons of the, the, the preachers, boys, Hophni and Phinehas, I never did like that Hophni, it sounds real too close to something else, but <laughs> they, they swiped the ark, and they went down, the Bible said they danced and shouted till the ground shook, and then the next day they got their behind handed to them. And the ark goes into the land of the Philistines for seven months. Then it comes back, and it ends up in Abinadab's garage, and it's there for over 20 years, which means that during the entire dynasty of Saul, the Ark of the Covenant wasn't in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle, which means you can have church without glory. Sure you can. Everything we do comes short of glory anyway. I've heard preachers, let's give God glory. Good luck. Because let me tell you what, he, he ain't sharing that with nobody. Now, you can sense it, and if you're smart, you'll return it and reflect it back to him. But you won't say, mmm, that's mine. Don't ever do it. Listen, God's job is to, to promote us. Our job is to stay humble. You get those two roles reversed, and it's a bad day. Because if you think it's your job to promote you, then God says, if you're going to do my job, I'm going to do yours. And God will humble you. And he's really good at it. You don't want God to humble you. If you abase yourself, you'll be exalted. You exalt yourself, bad choice. <laughs> bad career move. I was listening to a thing a couple months ago about this Al-Qaeda thing. And, and they, they, they got... They got uh, Osama bin Laden and, and got his number two guy and, and the guy in the CIA, he was on the radio with the number three guy. And they could talk. He didn't know where they were, but they were talking. And he said, I got some good news and bad news for you. He said, listen here, Abu Butthead. He said, the good news is you're number three in Al-Qaeda. He said, the bad news is you're number three in Al-Qaeda. And he said, you better strap on your chin strap, boy, because he said it's going to be a rough road for you for the next couple of days. And it was. And he died. Bad career move. Don't you dare. Oh, I'm something. I'm special. We are the moon. I wish I could teach you that. You know, he's the sun of righteousness. We're the moon. Moon is reflected light. Don't say, moon's powerful because it can affect tides and seasons and all that kind of stuff. But, but there ain't no moon in the world dumb enough to say, it's me. You're just a gray bunch of ash until the sun shines on you. We're just a dirt ball until the glory of the Lord shines on us. Reflect it. Bounce it back. Don't hang on to that. Because that's what happened to Satan. Look what a... Bible said he had this coat with all these stones on it. When God spoke, I asked the man, they were, we had a physicist come here years ago. I said, what, what, is, what is light? And he said, oh, that's a great question, Pastor Hoffman. We don't know. <laughs> he said, what we do know is the closest thing to light is sound. He said, just there are sound waves. Light has frequencies and waves. And I said, oh, I get that perfect. He spoke, there was light. He speaks, there's light. So you got this sequin sport coat on. All of a sudden the light hits you. You're shining, man. You think. I saw a movie years ago, Steve Martin. He was a, a, a fake evangelist. 
and he had this sport coat on with all these sequins, and he would come out, and this platform was dark, and a spotlight, wham, would hit him, and all these lights would go, and that's what happened to Satan. He thought he was something amazing. Don't doubt that he's got his own church. Oh, they talk in tongues. Oh, oh, they talk in tongues. It's phony baloney Holy Ghost. It's not a far, it's not a far leap from glory to goofy, folks. <laughs> I've seen both. <laughs> Here's what amazes me. This is 1 Chronicles 6. I've got to go fast. 1 Chronicles 6. David becomes king. He gets the ark. They put it on Zion. People say, Jerusalem is the city of David. No, it's not. Read the Bible. Zion is the city of David. David takes the ark, puts it on Mount Zion, builds a tent over it. You could see it. You could see it. It had been hidden behind veils. Not with David. It's out there for you to see. David is the worship leader, the psalmist. He devises 24 orders of musicians. And he gets them all together and he said, okay, let's have a vote. Who's going to be the worship leader? Now, if Draylon would have been alive, he would have got the votes. But Draylon was there yet. They all agreed on the same guy, Heman. We all want Heman to be the worship leader. Listen, I'll read it to you. Here's 1 Chronicles 6 and verse 33. And they waited on it. And of this, of the, Heman was the singer. Who is Heman? I, 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 look what it says. The son of Shemuel. Does that, sound, does that sound familiar? It ought to because look at the next verse. The son of Elkanah. Did you ever read the first chapter in Samuel? We always talk about Hannah. It's not about Hannah. It's about Elkanah. Elkanah is the dad of Shemuel, which means Heman's grandpa was the prophet Samuel. And you go down through this family tree, and I, 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 I can't do all these names, you know, Elio, Toa. There's a guy, Zuff. Who would call their kids Zuff? You know? Okay, Amaziah, son of Elkanah, Joel, Azariah, Zephaniah, son of Tehath, son of Asir, son of Abisath, son of Korah, oh, son of Isar, son of Kohath, son of Levi, son of Israel. Heman's great, 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 great grandpa was the rebel Korah. But instead of the family being destroyed because of bitterness, somebody saved that family. And I'll tell you who it was. David. And the, listen, at least he records it. So I found 11 of them. I'll give them to you. Psalms 42, 44, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 84, 85, 87, and 88. If you have a study Bible, look at any of those psalms, and between the number of the psalm and the first verse, this is what it says 11 times. A song for the sons of Korah. Somebody. We don't know who. David wrote it down, because this is 400 years now. Somebody taught these kids, your dad had it wrong. 
this is what you're supposed for instance here's psalms 42 as the heart or as the deer pants after the water you want your soul your daddy panted for power you need to pant for god you need to want that cool that water springing up that river of life that's what you want Hey, listen, this is, a, this, is, this is Psalms 44 and verse 1. We have heard with our ears, O God, our fathers have told us what work you did in their days in the times of old. Somebody told us what happened before we showed up. Have you ever heard of this? Psalms 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, Will not we fear, though the earth be removed? Does that sound familiar? That's what happened to their daddy. That's what happened to their grandpa. You go on in 46, and it says, there is a river. The streams whereof make glad the people of God. Have you ever heard this verse? Oh, clap. Have you ever heard pastors say this? Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. And shout unto God. Don't just clap. Clap and use your mouth. Oh, clap your hands, all you people, and shout unto God with a voice of despair and depression. No. Triumph. That's Psalms 47. Read what it says right above that verse. A song for the sons of Korah. I can go, I can tell you on and on and on. Here's what it says in 48. It said, walk about Zion. Go round about her. Tell that mark ye well her bulwarks. Consider her palaces that you may tell it to the generation following. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide unto death. You know what that means? It means you walk. Here's my problem with Antifa and all this other foolishness that's going on right now. All they're doing is tearing down. Tear down the statues. Burn that up. Spray paint that. On and on. You're building nothing. This is what the psalm said. You need to walk around Jerusalem and say, You see that tower? My grandpa built that. See that wall up there? My daddy did that. You ever been to Washington, D.C.? Let me tell you something about Washington, D.C. They don't build monuments to guys who said, I don't think we can do this. One of those early guys, read the book. David McCullough wrote a book on John Adams. Read how Adams talked about that first convention. And he said, we knew there was a divine authority in the room guiding us. When one of them said, fellas, we better hang together because if we don't hang together, we're going to hang separate. (laughs) It's just, it's just, what did you say? It said, build something so that your kids and your grandkids can say, my grandpa had a role in this. We're going to build another building in that grass over there. I'm not going to put this church in debt again. We've already been through the debt. We're out of debt. I'm not going into debt again, but I believe in my heart we're going to build a church on that grass. But the only way it's going to be done is people that say, I'm going to, I mean, I'll be, I'm a mortal man. For God's sakes, Pastor, can't you see the corona? Can't you see all these small businesses that are failing? All I know is this church just keeps growing. That's all I know, okay? It just keeps growing and growing. This is the second service. Look around you. We couldn't have possibly got the people from the first service in here. I don't care how many chairs we got. I want us all to be together. 
I don't want to have, if we got to go to a third service, we'll go to a third service. But ultimately, I want a place where we can come together. So that your kids, Phil Heskett, Phil, <laughs> he don't want me telling his story. But a week ago, he called, he said, I need to see you, Pastor. And I was going, ah, oh, shoot, he got transferred. That's Mr. Faith, Pastor, you know. Phil and Kayla's gone, shoot, you know. I get in the office. And I said, what can I do for you? He said, I know you're busy, but we'd like, and he handed me a big giant stack of money. And I said, what is this for? He said, well, Phil, Kayla and I want to be the first ones to give an offering for the new building where our kids are going to be raised. There you go. I'm not going to tell you what it was, but it was a lot of money. I love people like that because all of a sudden, them kids are going to grow up and say, see that? My daddy made a plate of roll in that. Did a part in that. If we come together, we can do something amazing. Jesus said, or I don't know if it was Jesus, it said, occupy till I come. In other translations, it says, do business until I come back. Okay? I got to go fast. Watch. This, have you ever, have you, here's Isaiah 53. All right? Listen, there's two kinds of roots here. Here's a root of bitterness that sprung up and many were defiled. But here's I. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows, acquainted with. You ever heard this? Wounded for our trans. That's 53, 54. Here's 52. And he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and out of a root, out of dry ground. Another place he called him the root of Jesse. It, it, I, got, I, got, I got two roots here for you. I got a root of bitterness that if it grows deep, it ain't staying underground forever. It's going to spring up and a lot of people are going to be defiled. Here's the other root, this root of David, amen, that, that, that they stuck him in a box. They stuck him underground. But this root, just like the other one, will not stay unexposed and under the ground forever. Just as root of bitterness springs up and has a harvest, Jesus Christ sprung up by resurrection out of the grave, and he's got a harvest as well. So the question we're going to ask is, what, what kind, what's in your garden? Amen. What, 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 what's, what's growing in your spirit? You, you, you can buy into the anxiety. The, the, these, these politicians, God, my grandpa told me years ago, politicians are like bananas. They're yellow, they hang together, and they're in a straight one in a bunch. And if this last week, I, 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 don't, don't, I'm never voting again. Don't do that. That's exactly what the stupid people want you to do. But for goodness sakes, you've got to understand, our answer is not in the political process. Our answer in the King of Kings. Our answer is in the Prince of Peace. If you're expecting this world and its political environment to produce your answers, God help you. You got to decide. I am not going to let the anxiety and the attitude of, I'm, get off of the news websites, get off of that stupid stuff and quit letting these people steal your joy and burglarize your life every day. Put some good music in your house. Put some good music in your car. Come to prayer meeting. Get in the Word. You can stand. Janice, I, I needed a, I needed a, a triangle. I, try, I was trying to draw something yesterday, and I didn't have a triangle. So I went to the art store in Rochester. As soon as I walked in, oh, pastor. I looked and all, I, I got to be good. I'm getting really good at recognizing people with their eyes. Because that's all I see. Oh, 
oh, Pastor, here's Janice. And she's back there. And I said, I didn't know you worked here. She said, I've been here for years. She grabbed her boss. Come, come here, let me introduce you to my pastor. And she said, then there's people standing there in line. She said, did you know this is my pastor? Did you know? She said, I just told Doug, I wonder if he knows if we're still alive. She said, we've been watching Faithful Online and we've been giving and tithing. But she said, I promise you, I'm going to be there tomorrow. There she is, right back there, right there. there that's good for her word. We're coming out of this, all right? I, I realize there are people have to be prudent. I, I'm not asking you to be stupid right now, but for goodness sakes, don't put all your faith in the vaccine. You want to take the vaccine, take the vaccine. But for goodness sakes, if you think that is your answer, there's going to be something else and something after that and something after that because Satan learns something. He's got an advantage. There are people that used to call this church home. I don't know if they ever are coming back, but they got replaced. I'm being honest with you. There are people that are bitter at me because he wouldn't quit church. You should have called off church, Pastor. You're putting all these people, you're going to kill them all. Well, guess what? The last thing I want to do is to harm you. But I'm looking what's behind all of this. And I'm telling you, there's a spirit there that says, don't go to church. Then if you don't go to church, you ain't going to go to prayer meeting. This is what Janice told me. I tell you what I did, Pastor. I'm stronger and deeper in the word right now than I've ever been. She said, my husband said, my God have mercy. Are you ever going to quit reading that Bible? But there, so she did, the Bible said, they that wait upon the Lord should renew their strength. If you're at home right now and you don't feel comfortable coming to church, I get it. But don't you get out of the word. Don't you get out of the habit of prayer? Don't you get, if you're watching, you're obviously still in the habit of watching this thing online. Stay in sync with what we're trying to do. Even so much more as you see the day approaching. This is not the day, but it's coming. (laughs) This is a trial run. And if this is going to destroy your faith, if your faith is small, you will shrink and you'll die, the Bible said, in the time of battle. We're in a war here, folks. We're in a war. We just really are. So you're going to have to decide here. All right? If you don't want to be in this building, I'm cool with that. But now answer this question. How's your prayer life? Are you in the Word? Or are you terrified? I'm on the phone with my girlfriend you get yesterday. Oh, Pastor, I just wish I could get across that stupid river. I just want to be in church. Lord Jesus, come with me around this altar. Come worship him. Come with faith right now. Well, there's, 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 there's a spirit of faith in this room here right now. Who knows? My cousin Russell that I told you about last week just called again. He said, I'm completely healed. I don't ever need the wheelchair again. God completely restored my body. He's watching right now. Completely restored. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Raise your hands. There's an attitude in this world that's trying to make you put your head down make your voice get lower trying to steal your joy but this is what the Bible said he is the lifter up of my head it says lift up your voice 
Lift up your eyes. Lift up your hands. Isaiah said he was high and lifted. Lifted. That's the purpose of the church. To get beneath the name of Jesus. Now the Bible said he's above everything. Just He's already above. But we want him to be lifted. Even to a place where nothing's even close. To where you'd be like James and John and you looked up your eyes and all you see is him. That's all you see is him. Amen. Pray with me and turn your prayers into praise right now. Lord Jesus, I am so grateful to be in your house. I'm so grateful to hear your word, to be with your people, to sense your spirit, to sing songs about you. Lord Jesus, I am asking you, God, that you would guide my steps and guard my spirit. Let angels camp around these people, Lord. They said that, that the enemy would not get an advantage over us that we are not ignorant of his devices. I'm asking you, Lord, right now, let a spirit of faith and boldness, a witness spirit, come upon us right now. This world's afraid. This world is losing confidence in the 